Hey, I'm Doug McAllister, and this is Journey Fellowship Church's podcast, Stories I Didn't Get to Tell Last Sunday. Today, I'm joined by Alex Moore, who is uh, a member at Journey and a good friend of mine, and I want you to hear his story today, his testimony. If you haven't joined us before, it's your first time, we are excited to have you on board today. If you uh, are looking for more um, back episodes, they're all posted on the Journey app. If you don't have the Journey app, you can download it, uh, go to your app store, uh, type in Journey Fellowship Church, and you'll see our app pop up. It's Compliments of Journey. It's loaded with great uh, information and uh, great resources to help build your faith. And one of those things is this podcast, Stories I Didn't Get to Tell Last Sunday. We actually started this podcast so that we could tell some of the great stories that we just don't have time to tell on Sunday morning. You know, Jesus is always changing people's lives. In fact, I love this quote, the kingdom of God is built on relationships, and it grows and prospers on changed lives. And that is the whole point of the kingdom. That's why the local church is the hope of the world. So today, I want you to hear Alex's story. He has a great testimony of transformation, how Jesus came into his life and found him at his worst, and God has done some amazing things. So, Alex, welcome aboard, man. Thank I'm you. I'm glad you're here. Why don't you greet everybody and say hello? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I could share with you what God's done in my life. So, Alex, I want you to just kind of start where you are. You know, I know you battled alcoholism. Let's start the 38 years of that struggle. So just kind of tell me your story. You know, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, from the beginning – Short, short story is, you know, I was born and raised out in Texas, Central yeah. Texas. My family was a, a church going family. They loved me. And I had, I was a rebellious child. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, uh, I probably took my first drink. I mean, where I, where I grew up, I mean, we worked around cattle a lot and construction and, uh, yeah. you know, there was beer readily available on the back porch. How old were you the first time you got drunk? First time I got drunk, I was 13. I stole a bottle of liquor out of my dad's uh, toolbox. 13? 13. 13. Wow, and that started you on a road for... That started me on a really bad road. Yeah, so tell us about that journey, so, man. Where's... You know, I mean, throughout that journey, you know, I mean, when it first started, I knew it was wrong, but I was rebellious, so I kept going back to it. And I went through my teens and 20s, you know, pretty pretty wild and crazy. Yeah. And uh, did a lot of stupid things, got hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it continued on. I got I got married and have beautiful children, and I tried to control it. I, I tried to keep it in control. Yeah. But, you know, and I did okay with it, but it wasn't it wasn't with God's help. Yeah. So it would rear its ugly head, you know, every once in a while, and I'd do something really stupid. Yeah. So in the middle of your your own personal struggle, you you got married, you had three, three boys. wonderful boys. Yes. You have a set of twins. I've and, got a set of twins and a younger and a boy. So and my twins have... are Joshua, Zachary, and then my youngest is Matthew. Yeah, two out of three of your boys are in the military. In the military, yeah. yes. And then one of your sons is in the oil field. In the oil field, Like right. his dad. Yeah, I was in the oil field for a long time. Yeah, so you were a Texan, man, raising cattle, uh, drilling for oil. You're like the you know stereotypical yeah. Texas guy, man. And then the bad part of that is, yeah. you know, of course, dirt roads, beer drinking, yeah. honky tonks. And comes along, along with the country right. music on the... Kind of go trappings? with the yeah. go the, go with the flow of the yeah. world, and that's what I did. How long you know? you been married? I've been married. This uh, coming up September will be twenty four years. Twenty four years. Yeah. So in the middle of all of that, man, uh, you were fighting your own personal yes, battle. So I tell was. us about that battle. Well, it was it was horrible. I mean, I was I didn't realize that I had so much pride. I mean, I knew I was proud, but I was yeah. like proud to be an American, proud mm. to be a Texan. But I was yeah. I was selfish. I was self centered. Mm. You know, I mean, I raised my children. I did what was 
right for my children. I disciplined them. I loved them. Yeah. I taught them yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But, yeah. but I didn't lead a good life as an example as a Christian man. Yeah. Because you know, on the weekends I drank a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know, part of that in the oil field, I mean, I worked my way up to a fairly high position mm-hmm. in operations, and you know, part of that was taking customers out and whining and dining. Well. Yeah. I did that excessively and they got to see it, you know, and then, uh, you know, some, some of the people in my family, I mean, they're alcoholics and they know it, but they're happy drunks is what they call it. Well, I wasn't a happy drunk. I was a violent drunk. I was mean. I was angry. I was selfish. I was bitter. And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, but I've been married for 24 years and, and I, I thank God. And I thought about this last night and I've thought about it before, but my, my mother, my father, my wife, my grandmother, my mother-in-law, all those people prayed for me and yeah. loved me through the hell that I was on their lives. Yeah. They loved me out of hell and into the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it amazing they, how people who God surrounds us with sometimes put up with us at our worst, pray for us when there's no hope? Where would we be without those people? Your wife and your mother and your mother-in-law and your father and all these people stood by you and prayed over you and put up with it and you know yeah, my my son and i were talking we were out on the back porch my son's in stationed in new york and he's down right now he had a baby shower for his wife who's due about a month and a half mm-hmm. and he and i were talking and i was making a little amends yeah. you know and and he said the thing i don't understand dad is why mom stuck with you through <laughs> all that and i said you know what i don't understand oh, it either God. but that's god's love dude and i said i knew you know, and we'll get to this in a minute, but when I, I went to a faith-based rehab and when I was in it, this thought came to me and I know it was God because it wasn't my thoughts. It was, I don't have enough love in me to love my wife, Lord, right now. Mm-hmm. Would you love her through me? Yeah. And and I All said, right. that's God's love that she stayed with me. I said, she yeah. loved me and she knew me. She saw the good in me Yeah. when the devil was trying to produce bad in me. Yeah. And she knew, and I, there were times when I was really down, like I'd do something really bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I got thrown in jail around my children several yeah. times. Yeah. They got to see it. Yeah. And that's where alcoholism and the devil took me. Yeah. But after that, when I would be in remorse, I would, I questioned my salvation one time. Yeah. I did it several times. And she said, no, you are going to be in heaven. You got a lot of answering to do, <laughs> but you believe in Jesus. You've confessed him as your savior. That's where you're going to be. But she said, Alex, there's a better life for you. Yeah. And thank God Jesus led me to it. Man. You know? and thank God she prayed for me and my yeah. uh, the praying people that prayed for me because their prayers are being answered now. Yeah. You know, we knew your wife, Katrina, many years before we met you. We were, she was part of our church and good friends. And, and I know she prayed for you often and loved you and always spoke well of you always, you know, until I met you, I didn't know anything other than how good of a man you were. So what led you to, to, to return back to your faith and give your heart back to Jesus? Well, I had, uh, I went, I went on a binge and I was, a. you know, I'm not, there's nothing normal about my drinking. Yeah. I wasn't a social drinker. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't just having a few drinks to knock the edge off. I mean, it was, it was binge yeah. drinking yeah. and I had gone on a binge and I was ashamed to go home. I was verbally abusive to her and my mother-in-law and I was just ashamed. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really afraid. I was just disgusted. I mean, I really wanted my life to end and we can get into that in a little bit, but yeah. 
but I was, I was staying, I've got an RV and I was staying out on a farm in an RV and I looked up at the skylight and I was looking at the light and I thought about my grandson and my grandson is three years old now. His name, one of them's name's Levi. He always runs up to me, throws his mm. arms up. He's like, Papa, I love you. Pick me oh, up. Oh my gosh. And I thought about him about and then I thought about my dad who's 85 now. Yeah. And I was like, Alex, you're not going to make it to 85. Yeah. You're not going to make it 10 years. And then I kind of half-heartedly chuckled and I said, in reality, you're not going to make it another year. Yeah. And I said, Lord, I need help. I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to ask for it. And that's when I called Al. Yeah. Al Charter, Shoshay. Yeah. And I said, Al, I got to have help. Yeah. I mean, and I'd been going to CR for two years. Yeah. And, you know, and I kept going back and, they, and he told me, just keep coming back. And I, I never went there drunk because I was ashamed to do that. Yeah. But I'd go back and I'd say, look, I fell down again, but I got back up. Yeah. And here I am and I'm trying and yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I think God allows you to work through the struggles. Yeah. And I think because of my pride and selfishness, which I had no idea that I had. Yeah. I was using, I was trying to drown myself out in hindsight, looking back, I was trying to drown that selfishness and pride out with alcohol yeah. and it wasn't working. No, it was throwing fuel on a hot fire already. Yeah. yeah. And I look back at that, but at the time when I was going through that struggle, that's what I was like, I'm just trying to numb myself, you know? Yeah. So in your journey out of alcoholism and all those struggles that came along with that, you actually did come to church. In fact, you watched us online for a little while. Cause I remember the first time you called me, you were watching every Sunday online. online. And you Katrina said, was going to church. Yeah, she was there in person. And I was, I was yeah. too embarrassed yeah. to go. You but know, you I, were, just, I didn't feel worthy because yeah. it was funny because I went there a few times. So I'd go maybe three or four times a year. But every yeah. time I'd go in, it was just, there was so much conviction, which yeah. is good. But yeah. when you're in alcoholism and yeah. you're struggling with it, right? you know, it's not really a comfortable feeling. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch. And, yeah. and I mean... You know, there's a song that says, you know, you know, pick the Bible up, knock the dust off when I'm in a bind. I was yeah. a crisis Christian yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm all in. Yeah. And it's. So on your journey back uh, to the Lord and back to, uh, to to your faith, you, you came to, to celebrate recovery for two years, still battling your addiction. Still battling it. Yeah. And in the middle of that, you had a really severe accident. I did. I want you to tell I, uh, us about that uh, motorcycle. You know, while I was. You know, when I was sober, which wasn't very often because I was a daily drinker and I'd usually drink about anywhere between 12 and 20 or 30 beers before I'd hit the hard liquor. Yeah. Wow. And I did that pretty much daily. Yeah. I would say I was in highly intoxicated five, six days a week. Yeah. Usually Sunday or Monday were the only days I wasn't intoxicated because I'd usually wake up Saturday, Sunday morning with a severe hangover yeah. and not go to church, but watch it. But I'd stay, might stay sober enough to go to CR on, on uh, Monday because I felt comfortable around other people that were struggling. Yeah. And there was a comfort and not a sense of judgmentalism. And there was not that in church, but I could feel the Holy Spirit convicting me yeah. when I was in church because yeah. I was not walking down the right road. So yeah, anyways, like through that struggle, I really, towards the end... I wanted to end my life. I really wanted it to just be over right. with. And my th stinking thinking, crazy thinking was, if your life was over, your wife and children would be sad. There would be some sad times, and mm -hmm. they would mourn, and they would get over it, and it would be so much better for them. Yeah. And, you know, I've held a pistol to my head yeah. two or three times. My wife took it out of my hands. Hmm. I've had a really close friend took it away from me. I, he found me. My wife was scared to go to the farm and check on me because – 
hadn't called in a, mm-hmm. a while. And she sent him out there, and he when he came out there, I was passed out in the pickup, and there was a pistol laying in my lap. And he reached in the truck and took it out of my hands. But but I had I did have a severe accident. I was I was riding motorcycles and I was drunk and high. And when I'd ride, I would just and I'd do it at night when it's dangerous. You mm-hmm. know, when it's, and I'd ride on Highway 90, you know, by Purlington because there's lots of hogs and wildlife and. Yeah. And when somebody would come by me, I would think if they'd just cross the center line and hit me, it'd be over with. Hmm. But I didn't have the guts to pull back over there. But I, ha- I had a severe wreck, and I broke my neck in three places. I broke my uh, C5, C7, and T1. Hmm. Um, I had to have major surgery. You know, yeah. I, 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 I came to on my off off the motorcycle I was, I was in a ditch in about maybe a foot foot and a half of water and i knew i was in severe pain because i've i've had some severe pain yeah. in my life through accidents with cattle and horses and things sure. like that and i thought to myself even though i wanted to die so bad i was like if you don't get out of this water you're going to collapse from pain mm. and drown right here yeah. and i crawled to the edge of the ditch and collapsed mm. and you know it's three o'clock in the morning on lower bay road Nobody goes down that road at three o'clock in the morning. Some a lady came down that road and found me mm. laying in a ditch. saw saw a reflection of or saw a re- piece of reflector. My motorcycle was buried in the water, but there was a piece of reflector shining enough. She saw it. She stopped, mm. started looking, found me. You know the police. Uh, the police came. The ambulance came. But I mean the surgeons. I had you know major surgery. I mean the the surgeon walked in. They had me of course strapped to a bed, strapped with a C spine brace on. You know I couldn't do anything. And the surgeon walked in and he said, I've got some bad news and I got some really bad news. I said, well, give me the really bad news first. And he said, well, there's you've compression fractured your C7. Mm. And he said, it's in shards and it's floating around your spinal cord. And there are pieces of it that are actually touching your spinal cord. And he said, we're going to get it out. But he said, you, if we touch the wrong thing when we're in there, he said, you'll never walk again. He said, you won't move from here down. And I said, oh, okay, well, what's the bad news? Mm-hmm. He said, the bad news is you're probably going to have to learn to walk again. I said, you mean like on the balance beams? He said, exactly. And he said, I said, how long does that take? And he said, it might take six months, maybe a year, who knows. Hmm. You know, and I have a very active lifestyle. I mean, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I like to be outdoors, you know, yeah. farm, things like that. Right. And, you know, there was some praying going on. I remember right before they gave me the drugs to put me under, I said, hey, there was a team of doctors. There was four or five doctors and, you know, eight or ten nurses. I mean, it was a major surgery. They basically pulled my head off my backbone and laid it down so they could take that out yeah. and put rods and Teflon discs and things like that. But I said, hey, guys, can we pray? Mm. And they said, we already did once, but, yeah, we'll pray with you. And they prayed with me. They gave me the shot. I started counting. And when I woke up, I actually walked the day of surgery. Wow. I got out of the bed. I said, I want to get out of this bed and walk in there. Like the doctor couldn't believe it. So it took a little while to get some orderlies there. And the doctor wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And I got up my day. I didn't walk far, you know, 20 yeah. yards, 20. And, and they just were shocked. Yeah. The next day I walked two or three times around the recovery unit. And the day after that, they did the surgery on a Tuesday. And on Thursday night, they released me from the hospital and I walked out of there. That is just praise the Lord. I mean, the hand of God, just a miracle. Hand of God was all over yeah. that situation. All of those opportunities after that wreck, for where you landed, had it knocked you out? Had you been face down? Had your bike been buried where she could not have seen the reflector? Had she not stopped? Had not? You know, there was just one circumstance after another that you know the Lord just intervened. 
definitely. And, and rescued you. And you had enough energy to crawl out of the water. You know, so it's just, I don't it's know, it's just a series. No, the angel of, of the Lord was all over me. Yeah. He was there, you yeah. know, and I know that. I mean, I, that was revealed to me in a dream. Right. Um, you know, but even that wreck didn't stop me. Yeah. You know, they told me, they said, you got to be on your best behavior for six months. No drinking, no smoking. Yeah. Take bone supplements, take these certain vitamins, you know, and right. I did for six months. Went back and they did an angiogram and a... Uh, fluoroscope to look at some nerves and blood vessels that yeah. I'd crushed and they couldn't believe they said look you're 50 50 years old right now your bones are not going to heal like you're 12 or 16 yeah. yeah they couldn't believe how well the bones had grown they said you look like a 20 year old man wow well That's so then I got a clean bill of health so yeah. then I was straight back yeah. on a bad road right isn't it amazing yeah. when God rescues us we still don't get the message. Yeah, still don't get it. <laughs> What's it going to take for God you know, to get through to us? Well, huh? For me, it, it it took being totally broken. Yeah, you know, and and I didn't even yeah. when I went to rehab, I thought I was broken. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know I had a pride issue. Yeah, and and there was a there was a we, you had to do a little work there. There's a work call supervisor, and uh, I love him, and uh, he said one word to me that made me just blow up, and yeah. the word was no. Hmm. And he didn't say it ugly. Yeah. And I mean, I lost it. And I, I went off crying and mad, storming. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because we were raking pine cone needles. And I raked enough in about 10 minutes for a, a bale of them, a yeah. round bale. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I was thinking about it. And I had, I had just, I was wringing these pine cones and just making this dust out of these pine cones. And I was really mad. And I threw the pine cone up in there and I was praying. Even though I was mad, I was praying. I was like, Lord, what are you trying to show me? Yeah. And I threw that pine cone up in the air, and it was windy, and the dust just went off. And, and God said, that's what I do with your sin. Mm. And it was at that moment that I realized how selfish I was because I'd been taking this class on pride, and all these things stem from it. You know, Pride yeah. is basically you're worshiping yourself. You put yeah. yourself on a pedestal and yeah. take God off of it, and you're mad because you're not getting your way. Everything's about you. Hmm. You know, you hold on to resentments. You're bitter about anything that happens. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, no, that's what I've been doing. You know, it talks about the Old Testament about you should, you know, don't worship other gods. Don't yeah. don't be an idolater. I yeah. worshiped myself. Yeah. And when I realized that, I was like, okay, God, I'm truly broken. Hmm. Fix was, me. Was that your lowest point there? Is that when you came to the end? That was, and, and yes, it was. And the interesting thing was my counselor, I I was reading the Bible a lot. I was probably reading the Bible six, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need something else to read. Not that, mm-hmm. I mean, but I just I needed it. something. Yeah. I said, I want something that's spiritual, biblical, but a book, something yeah. else. He gave me a book called The End of Me. Yeah. And that's when I came to the end of me. Oh that gosh. book helped me. That's a great line. It's called The End of Me, The Beginning of Jesus. And yeah. and I, when I read that book, I realized how the depth of my sin. I didn't know what iniquity means, but that yeah. word means the depth of your sin. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's I'm not perfect by any means now, but yeah. the Holy Spirit. I it's a strange prayer, but sometimes I thank God for the conviction. 
because if without the conviction before when I was living a life of sin, I didn't. There were so many things I didn't even know I was doing wrong, yeah. and it didn't matter to me. Yeah, I didn't. There was the things I knew I was doing wrong. I was like, whatever. I'm right. just going to keep doing it. But now I'm like, Lord, thank you for conviction. Thank you yeah. for showing me, yeah. for shining the light. I was talking to Hans, another mm-hmm. uh, pastor, yeah. and uh, and my my wife revealed something to me. Even after rehab, even after I know you know God's working in my life. She said, why do you keep blaming God? I said, I'm not blaming God. And she said, then why are you saying, why is this happening to me? Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe I am blaming God. So I talked to Hans about it. Mm-hmm. And Hans said, you know what's interesting? The, what does light do? Light lights up the darkness. Yeah. You've got a light in you. And, and it's not shining everything because maybe you can't handle all, yeah. everything at once. But it shines over here and it exposes that. Yeah. You deal with that, it shines over here and exposes something else. So like our church is called Journey. It truly is a journey. And you told me the other day, you said, I mean, if you're ready for the ride of your life, you better strap on and hang on because it's going to be a blast. Yeah. And, and I he thought is. about that. I was like, what's he talking about? Yeah. And now I know because, yeah. you know, it's not easy. No. It's not easy. Man, but it's Jesus, worth it. Following Jesus is the hardest thing and the most wonderful thing you'll ever do in your life. You know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not It's not easy. No. It's for those who are willing to find God's perfect plan for their life. So you got to your lowest point. What led you to go into the faith-based uh, faith, faith, faith rehab? Yeah, there you go. Well, it was, that, it was a thought about, you know, my grandson and then my dad. And then yeah. am I going to – I mean, I just remembered when my grandson, how he throws his hands up. He's like, Papa, <laughs> I love you. And I remember my granddad. And then I thought about my dad – and his age, and I'm like, you're not going to make it to 85. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to make it 10 years. You're not going to make it to 60. Alex, come on, let's be real. You're probably not going to make it to 51 yeah. at this rate. Yeah. And so that got me. That That's when I, I had been going to CR. I was trying to mm-hmm. get my life right, but I just didn't have the tools. Yeah. I didn't know. So I called Al. Shoshe, who's our CR minister, and yeah. I said, "Al, I got to have help badly." Yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, before he mentioned some rehab to me, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Man, I ain't got the time, I ain't mm-hmm. got the money." You know, yeah. well, then when he told me it was three thousand dollars in three months, yeah. I was like, "Yeah," I thought he was talking like a, a thousand in a month. Yeah. And now it's triple that. <laughs> That's a lot more than what I was and, planning for. You know, I I sat down and I thought about it for a split second, and yeah. I'm like, "No." If I don't make the time and find yeah. the money, yeah. I won't have the time or the money. That's right. And it's not about the money, but I'm like, if I don't do this now, yeah. it, it it's not going to happen. I mean, yeah. you know, you seriously are holding guns in your hand thinking about suicide. Right. And you're riding your motorcycle drunk planning, and high. Planning your death. Yeah. Planning your death and yeah. thinking about how, you know. And I didn't, at that point before then, I, I didn't care if I went to hell. I yeah. mean, I was comfortable with whatever as long as my family got to move on. Yeah. You know, but that's that, you know, God planted something inside me to care for other people. Yeah. But, you know, how can you love other people if you can't love yourself? Yeah. That's that eternity that's in all of our hearts. Right. It, you know, that's what Solomon said, that he has given eternity in everyone's heart. We know that there's something better and something more. So you made the decision to go, and you were gone right. for three months. And what did God do in you in those three oh, months? Man. Alex? You know, I mean, I remember the first first day I got there it was kind of a whirlwind. Al drove me over there, and it was interesting. We were talking about some things and I'd always, I believed in God from an early age. Yeah. And I'd heard people talking about how this walk and talking relationship. And I was like, yeah, right. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, Jesus is my friend. You know what I mean? He's like right. truly my friend. Like I can talk to him and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, God is way over here yeah. and I'm way over here. The, yeah. the chasm between us is far too wide. Yeah. And it was, but, mm-hmm. but when I got there, I mean, I was, I, I thought I was broke. I was broken Yeah. and I cried, you know, and I remember going in the chapel the first night and the second night. I mean, I was just bawling. Mm-hmm. And there were some men that came up to me that had been in the program for a while, and they just hugged me and said, it's going to be okay. You're in a good spot. And mm-hmm. I was like, good spot. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, but I had a couple of roommates there that had been through that program and uh, were back in it. Yeah. And they taught me a lot of things. They loved me through the pain. Yeah. And – you know, finally, you know, we got to, we had to walk a lot there. You're walking everywhere, you know, and yeah. there's, and it's a beautiful place. I mean, there's a lot of green space, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, outdoor space. And I, yeah. I'd walk that, walk to chapel. And I mean, I'd just go off and say, okay, God, I want to walk and talk in a relationship with you. And I don't understand even how to get there. Yeah. I, I mean, but I know you're real. I know you put me in here for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm here. All things happen for a reason. Yeah. I knew enough scripture to get me through that part of it. But he started moving in my life, and and I knew, you know, I, I, it had been years since I'd been on my knees, yeah. And I thought, you know what? There was, a, I don't know, you get, you have to go to chapel every evening, except for on Wednesdays, and you have a relationship class on Wednesday. But you get over the thirty every month, you get thirty different pastors from yeah. all different denominations, yeah. all different walks of life, yeah. And there's a some of them that really stood out, and we've talked about a yeah. few of them, but, um. This one one pastor was like, you need to hit your knees. I mean, it's it's an act of humility, humbleness, and it shows God, you know. And I was like, man, I hadn't been on my knees in years. And my excuse to myself was, oh, my knees ache. I'm like, yeah. I'll just pray, you know. Well, I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I went down, and they had a pulpit there, and I was so embarrassed to get on my knees in front of everybody that I snuck around behind the pulpit in front of everybody yeah. and hit my knees, and I started uh, praying. Mm. And all of a sudden, I started Speaking in tongues. Really? And I had no clue what I was saying. It was kind of shocking. Yeah. You got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got, but I yeah. felt I felt the fire running up and down my veins. Wow. It felt like cold water and fire at the same time. And I knew I knew then that hmm. that God was real. Yeah. And the things that he talks about in you know in the end of John and in mm-hmm. Acts were yeah. real. Yeah. And and I wasn't speaking very loudly in tongues. It was and I and I talked to my counselor about it. And he said that's your that when you don't know what to say, yeah. the Holy Spirit prays for you. Yeah. He intercedes on your mm-hmm. behalf. And I said, he said, well, what did you do? And I said, I just let it keep going. I said, I didn't even really want to move my mouth. It was just kind of coming out. Yeah. But I I was so broken, I didn't know what to say. Right. And it just everything that happened. It's like isn't God so good when when you need something in your life, yeah. He meets that need right then. Yeah. And just throughout that entire time. Yeah. It, you know, and it's still like life is different stages of growth. Mm-hmm. It was that way for those three months. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was things revealed to me. Like I'd been there, I don't know, the counselor said, you need to watch out at the end of week one, at the end of week three, six. Yeah. Everything was multiples of three. And I was like, why? And they said, because, you know, when you go from phase one to phase two, you think you got it. Yeah. And that's pride taking over. <clears throat> and they're yeah. different things. So at those times, I'd really pay attention and be like, well, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, what's going to, how's mm-hmm. God going to move? Which was an interesting thing because there were a lot of challenges. Yeah. 
and I used to look at challenges like a mountain, you know, and Jesus looks at them like a molehill. Yeah. And so now I look at challenges and I just like, it's not about me. Yeah. I'm fixing to watch Jesus do something here. There you go. So what's he, what's going to happen? You know, so when something happens, adversity comes and it's, I'm not saying it's like every time I jump into that mode, but it doesn't take long. And I step back and just yeah. be like, okay, it yeah. may be me that has to do something that God's going to work through me, or it may be somebody else, or it may just be just out of the blue. Is there a one moment that you would say that you knew that the the power of alcohol was broken in your life, or was it like a process that happened slow? It was. It was. I think it was a process that happened slow, but there was a time about I'd say six weeks through the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd wake up at three o'clock, right on the money, three mm-hmm. zero zero. Mm-hmm. I'd look at the clock and it'd be three o'clock. Well, you weren't supposed to be out of your room until four. Yeah. And I couldn't go to sleep. And I was like, what's going on? And I told my counselor, but I said, God's waking you up. Huh. I said, if it's three o'clock on the money, that's God waking yeah. up. Yeah. And uh, so what I would do is I'd go over to the security office and say, hey, God just woke me up and I can't sleep. And do you mind if I just sit in here till four? Because I don't want to turn the light, reading light on to read, and my roommates yeah. are in there sleeping. Yeah. Do you mind if I just sit in here? And most of those guys were watching praise and worship or yeah. watching a sermon. They're like, sit down. Yeah. And so one morning, the security guard, I'd been in there for a few weeks doing this. He goes, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I just want to go outside and walk around the lake and pray. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I was soaking it up like a sponge. Yeah. I mean, I was like, turn the fire hose on a little yeah. more, please. <laughs> and I was walking around the lake praying, and there was a there was a, a guy that had come there the night before, and and he was just shell shocked looking. Yeah. Yeah. And when the minister started speaking in church, he got up and ran mm. out the double doors of the sanctuary, mm. and we never saw him again. Never wow. found him. Wow. And I mean, and it reminded me because the first night I was there, the minister that spoke. It made my skin crawl, and I wanted to get up and run out mm-hmm. the sanctuary, and I forced myself to yeah. stay there. And then finally, that's when I started crying. So, anyways, I was walking around the lake, and I was—I had a flashlight in my pocket. It was dark, it was foggy, mm-hmm. and but I didn't have a flashlight out. And I was walking around this lake, and I was praying, and I was in deep prayer. And I walked across this bridge, and it was like God's voice audibly said, "Stop." Mm-hmm. So I stopped on this bridge, and I was praying. I was like, "What are you trying to show me?" Like he said, okay, take off walking again. So I started walking. I'm walking across this other bridge, and he's like, stop. Mm. So I stopped, and this long it was a long bridge that had a peninsula, and and he said, turn around. So I turned around and I walked back, and I, he said, stop. And I stopped, and I was right on that peninsula, and I was like, and nothing else happened. And I thought, well, maybe that kid that ran out of the church is mm. hiding underneath this bridge sleeping because it was fairly cold. Mm-hmm. So I. I crossed the handrail and I was, I got my flashlight and I was looking around. Well, the kid wasn't there. Yeah. And I say kid because I'm 52, yeah. 51 yeah. at the time and he was 18 or so. Yeah. And I'm going to get back over the handrail on the bridge and, right. and, and this voice says, Stop, hmm. turn around and go up by those trees. And I'm thinking, Oh, wow, that kid's up there laying in those trees sleeping and I'm fixing to find him. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking up through the trees. And it was like somebody kicked my legs out from underneath me, and I hit the ground. It was muddy. Mm-hmm. I had just gotten dressed, had you know, clean clothes on. I had a white long sleeve shirt on because it was fairly cool, but it wasn't freezing cold. Yeah. And I landed in this red clay mud. Mm. And my flashlight, I couldn't find my flashlight. Mm. And I was like, when I hit the ground, I guess I hit so hard I had my thumb on the, mm. the 
clicker. Yeah. And so I'm feeling around on for the flashlight and I can't find it. And I'm like, well, I'll just come back when the sun's up and I'll find the flashlight. It's not a big deal. So I get up and I start walking back to get back on the bridge and I stick my hands in my pocket and my flashlight is in my pocket. Hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. So I, I go on and I go over by this time it's about time for them to put coffee out. So I go over by the uh by the cafeteria mm-hmm. there's a parking lighting and i'm looking at this white shirt mm. and i'm like man this thing's probably covered in mud but i'm gonna go get some coffee and i'll go to the room and change shirts and i look and there's not there's no mud on it none and i go in the bathroom and i look around at my back and there's nothing on me wow so i get the coffee i go back over to where i was gonna look for the flashlight which is already in my pocket yeah and i'm like gonna see i'm like did i leave an indention in the ground because it yeah. was muddy and it yeah. was slick and i look i found exactly where i hit there was a slide marks and my backside imprint in this yeah. red clay mud but no dirt no dirt and so i walked back over to the cafeteria and i was like god what are you trying to teach me? Yeah. What are you trying to show me? Because this makes no sense. And in my head, God said, in life, you're going to get knocked down. Don't wallow around in that sin. Don't wallow around in that mud. Get up and let's go. Wow. And I was like, okay. Man. You know, and and that's happened since I've yeah. had replay. And I'm not talking about relapsing on alcohol. Yeah. Anything like that, but there are times when I've taken offense. Yeah, and oh, I wanted to wallow in it. Mm. But God's like, you remember? You remember when you? I knocked you down in that mud. You told me something once before. I think is really important. Many, many years ago, when you were a young, young man, you were going to church, but you got offended, and that kind of opened the door for all the other problems. All the other offense. So, give us a little brief sketch of that. Yeah. So. So I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist church, you know, yeah. and uh, there was not a lot of hope. There might have been Holy Spirit around there, but it wasn't yeah. evident. Yeah. Well, when I got married, my wife had gone to Pentecostal churches, yeah. and she said, let's try this, because we had tried. We'd moved back to my granddad's hometown, or not hometown, but his town where he was raised, my dad's hometown. We'd tried the First Baptist Church. There was just a lot of judgmentalism. It just it didn't feel right. Yeah. And my wife's like, well, let's try this Pentecostal church. So we did. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And shortly thereafter, um, I was asked to be on a praise and worship team because I played uh, acoustic guitar. So I was on the team. And I had a business. I had a golf cart business. And part of that job was, you know, whining and dining and playing golf. Yeah. And I was told by somebody that that, uh, I needed to sell that shop because I couldn't be on that praise and worship team and live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then another person at church told me that I was blaspheming the Holy Spirit and I was going to go to hell for it. Yeah. And I said, I'll tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to go right out that door and I'm not coming back. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I took that offense and carried it for about 20, 20 plus years. So I think it's important to stop and note that, that sometimes our walk with God, we get offended. But if we don't deal with those offenses, it opens up a door More for the offenses. enemy just to drag us into darkness, man. So you thought that that was sort of like one of those slippery slopes that you never could recover from. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even like in the job I had, I had a lot of opportunities to take offense, but because of the, the position I had over people, yeah. I just didn't. I was like, whatever. Yeah. I'm the boss. And yeah. You're not. So yeah. this is how it's going to be. You know, but there were people that God would put in my life. Yeah. To, and he was trying to get me to work on that offense, yeah. but I wouldn't. Yeah. 
and then I tried to just drown it out with alcohol, you know, and even after, even after I got out of rehab, yeah, I had to work through the offense. Still. Yeah. You know, I had somebody in, in a small group offend yeah. me. Yeah. And I took the offense. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, maybe I did something wrong. It was yeah. right after, right after I gave my testimony at CR, yeah. something yeah. happened. Yeah. Of somebody course. jumped on that. Yeah. And, I didn't see it for what it was. I saw it for out of a out of the lens of selfishness and yeah. pride, mm-hmm. and and I got offended. Yeah. And I carried it for a little while, and then when I tried to make amends with the person, it got worse. Yeah, because I wasn't letting God deal with it. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with it. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't until something happened with my close family where I could have. I was really hurt. Yeah, and it hurt so bad. I was out. Uh, in my backyard one morning praying. I said, God, I don't know why this is going on, but I can't, but you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it breaks my heart. And he, and it was like Jesus was sitting right there telling me, he said, Alex, the people that I loved whipped me and beat me and crucified me. Yeah. And he said, and I, yeah, I still loved them. And he said, I understand what you're going through. It's going to be okay. And I thought, well, okay. That's just what the Holy Spirit told me. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be okay, you know. But I still had trouble dealing with that offense. And it, yeah. But it, but but God worked me through that. And you know, there's some plans on the U version app. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of different plans. And I'm, it's amazing that I'll be like, well, that looks interesting, and I'll mm-hmm. start doing this plan, whether it's a three day or seven day, yeah. or and it's just like God just He meets your every need. Yeah. And he's helped me to work through that offense. And there's some right. things that have happened very recently. Yeah. And and I was I had last night I I could have been offended. Yeah. And I walked outside and I was praying. I said, God, I, I just don't know what to do, but you do. I yeah. need revelation. Light yeah. shine your light on what I need to do about this. And he said, You do exactly what your wife and your mom and mm-hmm. your grandmother and everybody else did. Pray for him. Yeah, that's the strongest thing th- that you can do is pray. Yeah, and he said, you know, don't go to that person and try to make amends right now because yeah. you didn't do anything wrong, and right. don't go to that person and preach to them. Yeah. And don't share yeah something with them because they're in such an offended state. Yeah, it's not going to help. Yeah. It's going to make it worse. Right. So what you need to do is hit your knees and pray for that person and yeah. love them into my kingdom. And I want. Wow. Love them like somebody loved you. Right. You know, it's 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 the trick of the devil. If he can't drag you into sin, then he'll settle for dragging you into an offense. Because right. one is just as deadly as the other. Man. Blessed is the man who is not easily offended. Jesus you know, said, you know, if you have hate and hatred in your heart, it's right. just it's just like murder. Yeah, so here you are now, man. Uh thirty eight years you've been struggling and Jesus set you free. You got a whole new life, man. God's done some great things in your marriage and in your children and your grandchildren. So you're a pawpaw now. How many grandkids do you have? Uh, two grandsons. So yeah. what granddad doesn't want a son? You know? yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I always wanted sons, and I yeah. got three. Yeah. And now I've got grandsons, and now I've got a be- I've got a, a granddaughter on the way. Oh, my gosh. She'll be here in about six weeks or so. Yeah. I'm kind of new in the in the grandpa world. But man, I, I have five. But it's a whole nother life, man. It's a whole nother That's world. It. You know, I never understood when my dad would say that being a grandfather is – whole a whole nother experience until you become a granddad and then you realize it's your children's children man it's just 
you know, in, they're blessings. Yeah, it's it, yeah, you know, their little faces and their little voices, and and you can see your kids in their kids. You and know, I, you know, I know I'm going to be a better example to my yeah. grandchildren than yeah. I was to my children. Yeah. And my son, one of my sons and I talked about this, and I've made amends with all three of my sons. Yeah, one of he and I were talking about it, and he and he was like, you know, he's the one that said, I don't understand. Thing I don't understand is how mom stayed yeah. with you through yeah. that. Yeah. I said that's God's love, and she yeah. was standing outside listening. Yeah. And I looked at her, and she was smiling. She was like, "That's right." And you know, Boy, but just woman. it's just amazing. You know, yeah. what God He provides your every need. You know, yeah. used to I chased money and I chased mm-hmm. you know, good times and things True. like that. Yeah. And now it's like God provides the good times. Yeah. He He really provides for me. I mean, when I got yeah. out of rehab, I hadn't worked in three months. Right. Their bills were piled up. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it, Lord, but yeah. I'm going to trust you to provide. Yeah. And I've been blessed. Yeah. I mean, just beyond my beliefs. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow. I mean, I know that's God. Because he makes a way. He makes the way. He does. And, you know, I don't know what he's got planned for my life. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's, I hope it's just to glorify him and to Alex, share his message. Your testimony is just a prime example of the power of the gospel. Man, that's why Jesus called it good news. In the Greek, it gospel literally means good news, you know, and your life is an example of what God will do with someone that will just give him total control, you know, and you did that, man. You made a hard decision to become a fully devoted follower, and the Lord just went through 38 years of pain and trouble and bad decisions, and you stood up from that event clean, Right. And righteous and holy. You know, and Only I mean, from a, from a human standpoint, I mean, I deserve justice. Yeah. I deserve to be yeah. dead. I deserve yeah. to be in hell. Yeah. Thank God Jesus sits on the mercy seat. Mm. You know, he doles out plenty of mercy. Yeah. Plenty of peace. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. It's like, you know, when he says, follow me, what does he yeah. mean? Well, follow me. I'm the example. Yeah. I'm the example. I'm the lead. You follow what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I used to have none of that. Yeah. And now I'm like looking around going, wow. Yeah. Wow. I see the evidence of his goodness. You know, know, I'm excited this fall. We're going to do a men's small group out on your farm, you know, so we're going to do some cowboy breakfast out there. And I'm excited about that. Maybe bacon pancakes. I can see you leading that group, man. That that could be God's way of just putting you in the ministry. I would love to do that. Yeah. Not for me, but yeah. It's like the the other guys. Like we prayed before this podcast. Yeah. I pray that God just, I just want to be your mouthpiece. Yeah. Whatever you want to say, say it. Yeah. Alex, I am so inspired by your story. And I know everybody watching today also is inspired. It gives God glory. It just is evidence of the power of Jesus in the life of a person who's willing to surrender. And if you're fighting a battle today, if you have a story like Alex, maybe you've been fighting your battle for 38 years or maybe longer or shorter, but you need to know today that the gospel is the only hope for a human life to be saved. And God is never far away. Even when you think he is, like you talk about that chasm, it seems like God's far away, but he's right there with you. So if you're struggling today with whatever, whatever addiction or whatever trouble or whatever ailment, maybe you're sick, I want you to know there's hope. There's hope in Christ. In fact, he is the only hope of the world. So I encourage you today to do what Alex did, sell out to Jesus, get involved in a in a Jesus-loving Bible preaching local church, get connected in a small group, do life with other people, believe that God can take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And 
you will be amazed at what God can do in a life. And Alex is a testimony of a, of a redeemed life, you know. Anything you want to say before we close out? You know, I just, I thank God. I thank yeah. Jesus, you know. Yeah. I often wondered, I wanted to have a walking, talking relationship, and now I do. Yeah. And I understand yeah. what that means. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's, and I'm not, like I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm not even close to being perfect. I will be one day. Yeah. One day when either, when he returns or I meet him yeah. in heaven. But I said, for now, all I know and all that matters is he's God. Yeah. He is God. Yeah. And I'm Alex. That's right. Let's he's, keep that in he's perspective. God and I'm not. Yeah. And don't 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 ever think you can't throw your hands up and go, Daddy. Yeah. Pick me up. I love you. Run Just to, like my grandson said, Papa. Papa. Yeah. It's like I have a I have a grandfather in heaven. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like he pick loves me up. you unconditionally. You know? And just yeah. I just want everybody to know that. I mean, yeah. if you're down and you're really hurting, throw your hands up and say, God, pick me up. He'll put you in his hand. You know, as we close today, I want to close with this thought. Abraham was called the friend of God. You know, he was the father of the faith. You know, and I think that is what God longs with all of us, that we would be the friend of God. And I know we don't feel like we're worthy. Don't think we could ever measure up. And we probably can't, and we don't deserve it. But for some reason, God chooses to be our friend. You know, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we know his name. His name is Jesus, you know, and he'll be your friend. Even when you don't deserve it, he'll be your friend. So I want to encourage you today just to open your heart to Jesus, sell out, become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Well, this is Doug McAllister with Alex Moore today. And this podcast is called Stories I Didn't Get to Tell Last Sunday. Uh, it is the podcast produced by Journey Fellowship Church. We're in Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, maybe you already attend Journey, or maybe you're looking for a church and you live on the North Shore. You can visit us at Slidell. We're on Pontchartrain Drive across from the new Walmart. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, also, we are adding a new uh, early Sunday morning experience in a few weeks. Uh, we'd love for you to get connected. If you uh, want to know more about us, you can go to journeyfellowshipchurch.com or better yet, download the Journey app. It's free for from your app store. Just search Journey Fellowship Church. It's full of past sermons. You can also watch the online campus. You can watch the podcast. You can visit my, my weekly blog. Uh, lots of resources and tools to help you in your journey of faith. Well, Pastor Doug McAllister here from Journey along with Alex today saying we love you and we've had a great time bringing you today's edition of Stories I Didn't Get to Tell last Sunday.